بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اللهم لا سهل الا ما جاءت سهلا وانت تجعل الحزن اذا شئت سهلا اللهم اعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته everybody you know however cold it is know that it's more cold somewhere else literally everywhere literally everywhere like america europe canada bro and in the middle east it's not as cold in terms of the numbers but in terms of how it feels 10 times worse 100% 100% although today it felt a bit colder in the evening isn't it a bit more bite all right alhamdulillah all right, so uh, we are on page. We might actually do a you know a quite smooth kind of session today, if that's ever possible, and finish off this entire chapter of combining, quite possibly. Um, today's last session, I think. Yeah, maybe page four hundred in the commentary, and the notes have been updated. The uh, notes now, if you click on the Shazad's uh, links, you see, minus 20. What, what, are, we, what are you talking about? And oh. uh, uh, yeah, in Calgary, minus 20. Oh. That's Toronto, actually. Sorry, Solange is in Toronto. Whatever. Whereas uh, the, the sound is all your dodgy thing, by the way. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to say? Honestly, checking the sound. I told you that they're the ones who are going to tell you what the sound's like, oh. not you. They said that the sound is dodgy. One. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, uh, in Toronto, it's minus 20. And in Calgary and in Edmonton, it's like minus 30. Yeah? That's proper madness. All right. Let's see, uh, has that improved the uh, sound, folks? If you can just uh, think, this is the last week of the dodgy sound because someone forgot to bring the microphone from home. <laughs> I leave it all to you lot who that someone is. Because I'm not about throwing people under the bus, you know, I'm not that guy. <laughs> but I just want you to know that someone. I want to say two people spoke about this microphone. I think literally one hour ago, we're going to go with that microphone. Then someone left it at home. That's all that's got to be said, isn't it? That's all that's got to be said, okay? Sound is better, they said. Why did you change it back again? Zara said the sound is better. Don't mess it up now. It's just got worse again. You, 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 you put it back to one. Yeah, for two this time. Nope, it's gone again. Uh -huh. All right. See that? So they're saying no. Shazad said no. I don't care. They're 30 seconds behind. See that? All right. Anyway, someone forgot the microphone. And that's the only thing that needs to be said. SubhanAllah, that's why, by the way, Shaz, that's why it's haram too. Um, even put the news out there just, just general gossip Because every single person here <laughs> Believes 
there's not a human being in this masjid or online that doesn't believe that that person was Shazad Salim when it actually it was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you mustn't spread rumor, you see? Because if you know that the people will be yani, inclined to a populist opinion, you can't put the news out in the first place without mentioning the name, even without mentioning the name. This is a serious point, by the way. I don't know if you've ever noticed when I used to, like, obviously I can't care less now, unless something, you know, that needs to be promoted or whatever. But when I used to use Facebook a lot more, one of the things I used to get very upset at, um, still I do, is the people who try to come across as righteous and pretend that they're so holy and you know, Islamic and talk about someone without naming them and everybody knows who they're speaking about. Uh, this shows not just the incredible level of ignorance, but also a, a level of just playing around, right? They should just shut up in the first place if they don't want to say or speak about a person. And if I'm going to speak about a person, I will name them and it'd be very clear justification will be made whether that's justified or not. But it is impermissible to be insinuating and creating that on false premise. Whether you name the person or not name the person, people think that it's about the naming. It's not about the naming. It's about the insinuation in the first place. Just from a hukum point of view, from a legal point of view. Remember that. All right. Let's read the new notes then, okay? The new notes that Shazad has put up is, which we're going to come, which we're going to finish today. فَإِنْ جَمَعَ فِي وَقْتِ الْأُولَى Starting in the second paragraph of the Arabic. فَإِنْ جَمَعَ فِي وَقْتِ الْأُولَى اشْتَرَطَ نِيَةَ الْجَمْعِ عِنْدَ إِحْرَامِهَا وَلَا يُفَرِّقَ بَيْنَهُمَا إِلَّا بِمِقْدَارِ إِقَامَةٍ وَوُضُوءٍ خَفِيفٍ وَيَبْطُلُ بِرَاتِبَةٍ بَيْنَهُمَا وَإِنْ يَكُونَ لَعُذْرُ مَوْجُودًا عِنْدَ إِفْتِتَاحِمَا وَالسَّلَامِ الْأُولَى وَإِنْ جَمَعَ فِي وَقْتِ الثَّانِيَةِ That's today's dust. اِشْتَرَطَ نِيَةَ الْجَمْعِ فِي وَقْتِ الْأُولَى إِنْ لَمْ يَدِقْ عَنْ فِعْلِهَا وَاسْتِمْرَارِ الْعُذْرِ إِلَى دُخُولِ وَقْتِ الثَّانِيَةِ It is best for him to choose that... No, 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 sorry. If he prays the prayers, both of them, at the earlier time, that's combining at the earlier time, it is a condition that, number one, he must make the intention for combining before he starts the first prayer. Number two, that he does not delay in between the two prayers for longer than when it takes to do a quick wudu and give the iqamah. Number three, that the combining will be invalidated if one prays the formal sunan prayer in between, the, the rawatib. Number four, the excuse for combining is present before he starts the first prayer and remains at least until he completes that first prayer. We're going to finish this part off in today's lesson. If he prays at the later time, so this is jam'u ta'khir, if he prays at the later time, it is a condition that, one, he must make the intention to combine the first prayer later, whilst he's still in the time of that first prayer, but with enough time to, but with enough time left to offer that first prayer. I'll explain what that means in a minute. And then two, the excuse for combining at the later time must be present until the entering of the time for the second prayer. It all sounds quite kind of confusing, but when we go through it, you'll see this is very easy peasy, very, very straightforward. Okay, folks? All right. So, um, on page 400, right at the bottom, وَإِنْ يَكُونَ الْعُذْرِ يعني the, 
the reason that we are using for combining, whether it's rain, whether it's sickness, whether it's traveling, that has got to be there, right, at the beginning time. Um, it has to be present from the beginning time of the first prayer, the opening, not the, the time, sorry, the beginning of the prayer itself, okay, that the excuse has got to be there because you're now about to do a combining uh, decision. This is still um, talking about uh, combining at the earlier time, by the way, yeah. So when you're about to make that decision according to the Hanbalis, we've already spoken last week, we're not going to cover that again, that we disagree with that and all of the, the, the issues, but we'll speak about that now again as well. It's got to be there all the way from the beginning of that prayer until the end of that prayer. That's what's got to be there, the excuse, all right? So, um, now, why is that? Because they said that you have to have the niyyah, right? The Hanbali said that you have to have the niyyah to combine, or if you're combining at the earlier time, what does that mean? You're going to pray the first prayer on time and you're going to bring the second one forward. And so if you're going to do that and combine, well, the niyyah has got to be done before. We said, no, it doesn't. And if a niyyah is being done, why is it being done? Because the reason is there. If the reason isn't there, why would you make the intention to combine in the first place? So it makes common sense that the Hanbalis will also therefore make the reason a precondition, a precursor uh, is, uh, as well. As for um, Ibn Taymiyyah, as Sheikh says on, on the middle of page 401, he said that there is no uh, need for that niyyah. And also that the uh, time itself for them to be together is not something which is a condition either we spoke about that last week and that actually it's not about the prayers itself it's about the time so even if there's a gap in between the prayers that's not a problem and he, we gave the example last week that therefore technically speaking a person could pray the Dhuhr prayer at the beginning of the Dhuhr time and then pray the Asr time Asr prayer sorry at the end of the Dhuhr time this would still be, according to Ibn Taymiyyah, our class position, this would still be considered jama' combining. And it would still be called combining in the first time. Okay? Now, if you think about it, if you're saying that, then it's clear that you don't believe that the excuse for the actual reason to combine is something that needs to be there at the beginning. But actually, theoretically, for example, a person could pray in the masjid, and then he's chilling out in the masjid, he's got a meeting here and there, whatever, for about half an hour, an hour. Then it starts to pour down, for example. And he's like, this is only going to get worse. The traffic's going to build up. I need to get myself home. And so he says, I'm going to combine whilst I'm here at the masjid or in a workplace or whatever. And he makes that decision. We're not talking about shortening or suffer or anything. We're just talking about now we've got a major reason for him to combine. It wasn't there at the beginning of the first prayer. It happened after, but we're still in the first prayer time. According to Ibn Taymiyyah in our class position, because the whole point of combining is to bring ease in the face of difficulty. And if the difficulty presents itself, then we've got to be able to react towards it. So what happens is that you would say, okay, we can now pray that, that second prayer. Even though you know that what I said for the class position, that even though Ibn Taymiyyah is very clear on that, that there doesn't need to be continuity, we said that it's closer to the sunnah, what seems apparent anyway, and it's certainly with the majority of scholars that they should be quite close together. You shouldn't leave kind of gaps in between when you're combining, just because the word combining itself means to bring together, doesn't it? Yeah. 
And so just from a linguistic point of view, it's probably safer as well. All right. Sheikh says that there are other conditions as well that have not been mentioned uh, here. And the one that he wants to talk about is the order. Now, order we kind of touched upon here and there in a few places, but today we'll, we'll cover it as well. And so the order is very important when it's combining the prayer. So you can't pray, for example, one in, uh, uh, in a different order. You might say, how would that happen? It happens to us actually all the time. Someone who has delayed Maghrib and Isha because they're coming home from somewhere far and they arrive and they're coming to the masjid as they normally do and they arrive at the masjid and it's Isha time and they haven't prayed Maghrib. Yeah, that usual yani scenario. And this scenario, a person walks in and he's, he knows because it's Isha time, he knows that the Imam is praying Isha but he hasn't prayed Maghrib. Yeah, so what, does, what happens? He will join the Imam for prayer. Okay? Now, what happens here, I've spoken a few times about, I think, in LP and certainly in the Fiqh Salah as well. And I've spoken about it as one of the most differed over matters in Fiqh, if not the most differed matter over in Fiqh, certainly Fiqh Salah anyway. I don't know of another issue that comes up in the jurisprudence of the prayer that has so many different opinions. According to Ibn Hajar, at least 20 different opinions on how to solve this issue, right? And these 20 probably distill into three or four main ones. They're all little variations. But in principle, you can imagine all the scenarios. For example, you'd pray with the Imam, yeah? And then you'd say, all right, my Isha is done, and then pray Maghrib. And you'd say that's an opinion, and that is an opinion. Another opinion would be that, how is that possible? You can't yani, skip order. You'd have to go and pray Isha, uh, Maghrib, sorry, and then Isha. And so you have to do that before you enter in. And that's one of the positions of Malik. So you'd go out, and, you know, especially... And it is important also, I want to say, that some opinions, when there's no evidence, and there is no evidence, we don't have primary evidence from the Prophet ﷺ. Otherwise, we'd have solved the issue. You might say, well, how have we got 20 opinions or 10 opinions? Why? Because it was never reported from the Prophet ﷺ. It didn't happen to him. So we don't have an easy answer. So we're having to use our logic. And when anyone was using their logic, then my logic is as good as your logic, isn't it? Right? So, so, what pushes logic in certain directions, that's personal experience, isn't it? I'm convinced that what became opinions in certain places is due to a lot of the environment as well. So, for example, in those places where the masajid used to have courtyards. Now, like in our culture, we, what's a courtyard? Yeah, and we have, you know, it's closed buildings, you come straight in. But in the hotter countries, warmer countries, where you've got separate places to pray and the like, I think this is an important sociological factor or anthropological factor that you should take into account when you're looking at madhab opinions or deviated opinions. I mean deviated not in a bad way. I mean that just non-standard orthodox opinions. Yeah. In a madhab itself, let alone outside of a madhab, where, for example, the issue of whether a masjid can have two congregations, which I think we spoke about before, something I'm not a fan of at all. And certainly other, other places are, you know, don't allow at all, right? Whereas others say this happens all the time. And then there are others that say, no, it can happen, but should only happen in uh, university musallas, mosque musallas, the musallas on the road where that's a norm. But when you're coming to a big masjid, which is very, you know, organized and official and you're going and then, you know, you just, you know, coming whenever you want and starting another jama'ah whenever you want, you are challenging authority, whether you like it or not. And it's a fitna that is. 
And there are others that said that, oh, if the people, you know, are used to it, like it's a masjid that, that is very common, then it's okay. And then there's, there's lots of nuance. Now, I say that if you look at the issue, but also look at the answers of the people who are in an area that have never seen, for example, a masjid big enough to have external areas that wouldn't be disturbing the main jama'ah, you can actually see that their logic might actually favor that they would say, yeah, it is allowed for people to pray, keep it outside of the main hall, in the courtyard, to the right-hand side, not getting in anybody's way, you're not challenging authority, you're not coming and standing on the, the janamahs at the front. I mean, that's a slap in the face to anybody, anyone, you know what I'm saying? You're doing it all kind of out of the way and keeping it kind of informal and whatever. So I do think that these are important for those who are students, proper advanced students, to think about how, you know, people are whatever. I mean, what I'd have said is good. Yeah, and imagine that we were trying to apply that kind of fiqh mindset. Would we ever make people pray in the shoe area? That is our courtyard, right, in the West. So we would never ever think of that idea as an even an option. We think of one hall or connected rooms. How can there be another jama'ah going on before the other one? But, for example, when you look at where the Maliki madhab spread, where it can be argued, this is not... By the way, prima facie evidence I'm speaking about. I'm just talking about theory. I could be entirely wrong. But generally you see, you know, the, uh, the Middle East, Maghrib, the, the, the hot kind of countries, this, that, whatever. And you see the designs of these kind of mosques that are Maliki, etc. Or where the Madhab kind of took hold. You see that they nearly all have courtyards. They normally have the wudu areas outside where it's being as used as much as for cooling down as it is for actual ritual ablution. It's the right blessing when you come to that kind of you know, scenario. And we're talking about uh, some of the, like, one of their positions is that if you did end up at a masjid where the Isha was happening, let alone the fact that you're not meant to be praying when the prayer is being offered, this is an exception to the rule because you can't enter that prayer because you haven't prayed Maghrib. That's the first excep exception they're saying to that hadith. Secondly, they're saying that if you pray in a courtyard out here quickly, you're so far removed from the action inside that not, a human, not any person will say you're causing fitna or trying to challenge authority. You get what I'm saying? So it's just nice to be trying to, to you know, think about the, 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 you know, the background for these. Anyway, uh, uh, those who are aware of like yani, uh, Sheikh Al-Bani and those kind of people, you would know that his opinion is a very interesting one, very controversial one, which is that you would pray Maghrib behind someone who is praying Salatul Isha. Now, of course, these people are praying four rakah and you are praying three. That's why this opinion is so outrageous. Okay? And they will, they will literally, I mean, they will, this is why I said 10 opinions or 20 opinions, that if you came in a second rakah, you just kind of blag it, right? And say that I did my three with his three. But it's never going to work out like that. You're going to join the prayer with him in the first. And what do they do? In the third rakah, they sit down whilst everybody's got up. I mean, imagine the, 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 the optics of that. It's a shocker, right? It's a shocker. It's a shocking opinion of fiqh. But it's a valid opinion. Why? Because there's no correct opinion outright, outright. Yeah? Anyway, um, Sheikh Uthameen doesn't go into this detail, but he explains the scenario of a guy that comes in, and the guy has prayed Isha, and then prayed Maghrib afterwards. What's the ruling? His ruling is the same as my ruling. My ruling is, is that this is invalid and that he has to pray the Maghrib and the Isha in order. Okay? Now, 
Because he's got to pray Maghrib and Isha in order, that's the starting point before he gets to the masjid. When you've come into the masjid, you've created your own problem. You've got to solve it. Either don't go to the masjid, or if you're going to go to the masjid, find a place first and pray the Maghrib first. Or if you've come into the masjid, you pray with the Imam, you enter into the prayer with, with the niyyah of Isha as a nafal prayer. And then that's written for you as a nafal. And then you will then go, then when the rest of people praying sunnah, you'll pray your maghrib and you'll pray your isha. Because the, underride, the underlying principle can never be transgressed, which is that order is an obligation. Maghrib and isha has to be done in order. So whatever scenario you put yourself into, you've got to fix it. All right? So you, either you don't come in or you pray when you enter or you come in with them. But the one thing that I will not allow is for you to come in and, and change the, the niyyah. Not because I don't believe in a change of niyyah, because I do. I follow that opinion, in which it, it, you don't need to have the same niyyah with the imam, right? That's our class position in a number of scenarios. For example, person coming in and praying zahar behind someone who's praying asr. Or in, in the taraweeh times, for example, praying salatul isha behind someone, the imam who's already started taraweeh prayer, for example, because you got there late. We already said, it's only the Hanafis who are super strict on that. They said, no. There has to be a combat, it has to be a unique, uh, a, 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 the niyyah has to be the same behind, between the imam and the one who's following. Although even there, they are not true to that because, I don't want to say they're not true to that, they say that there's an exception. So even they believe in an exception to the rule. Did anyone know? For 20 bonus points. If it was old school and we were fat, then we'd just be giving chocolates out as bonus. But now, alhamdulillah, everyone's behaving themselves. So the question is, which, who can give me the exception to where, even, there might be more than one exception, I haven't even thought of it deeply about this, but I know that off the bat, who can name me the exception where even the Hanafis accept that, yeah? What's that? You sick guy. Bobby J. You see, I told you, man. He's the bro. This guy's the future, bro. <laughs> Mashallah. <laughs> We're talking about when the stick was brought out. Ajad, play the video, Yara. Come on. You know, we need to play the video in class, by the way, on the screen. Bro, I, I've got it as well. Everybody's got it. Don't, don't, don't tempt me. Bobby J is right. It's the Juma prayer. And in the Juma prayer, the Hanafis, like the rest of these scholars, they said that if a person arrives late, we're covering Jum'ah, yani, maybe this year, whatever. Um, and a person arrives late, and by late, we mean that he's missed the second ruku'ah. Okay? So, therefore, he's missed being able to catch anything from the two rak'ah of Jum'ah. The only prayer that you can pray is Dhuhr. And because you know that, the Hanafis have said, like everybody actually, that you come in with the intention of dhuhr. Everybody agrees. But for the Hanafis, it shouldn't be possible because the Imam ain't planning no dhuhr, is he? The Imam is very clear on Jum'ah. And the Hanafis say that, no, you've got a valid dhuhr prayer behind my guy. We say, whoa, you said that there's got to be an equal niyyah on both sides. What happened there? They said that's an exception to the rule. Fair enough. To be honest, every time that we get stuck, we always bring out that's an exception to the rule. It's your best friend. Get out of jail cards. Yep. What if you don't know? This is the end of the first, and actually it's the end of the second. Yeah, that, that shows 
uh, I don't know why that, uh, my head is not computing for the Hanafis, but it, also certainly, it certainly computes my personal opinion that the niyyah can change. You know that I believe that, right? The niyyah can change accordingly. And I'm sure that might be the class position as well. I can't remember where we, we covered it. But that supports us because, you know, I might have said, I think then he stands up and I'm like, oh, boys, we're back in here. <laughs> we're back in the game. Here <laughs> we go, Jumar, this one, sick one. Right? That's what I've been saying. I'm not saying, oh, man, I made intention for Dhuhr now. I'm going to have to follow through. I'm sharp, man. I'm only going to stand up for one rakat you right now. You know what I'm saying? Now, the Hanafis have got to be now true to their claim. Now, if they're saying, number one, you can make no difference with Niyyah, and I've made it, I've made it, and number two, I can't change no Niyyah, can't change no Niyyah, then they best be standing up and praying three rakat of Zohar right now. But they won't. That's okay. But that's okay. We ain't hating like that. So, um, yeah. So, Sheikh then said that, yeah, in this scenario where the guys prayed his uh, Maghrib with, uh, he's prayed Isha, then prayed Maghrib, the, the Isha has been invalidated, but not invalidated as a prayer, it's been invalidated as a? Nope. That's actually what's written for him. It's been invalidated as a? Fard, correct. It's been invalidated as a fard. What he got was nafal, what he got was congregation reward. So you've got two sets of reward. He just didn't get the reward of it being fard. So then he praises Maghrib next, then he's got to pray the Isha after that. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah? That, that's that situation uh, 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 sorted. Uh, so now we're going to cover that, inshallah, later. Okay? We're going to cover that. Uh, not now. Yeah. What do you mean? It would never happen in Dhuhr and Asr, right? Because, because they're exactly the same, you would not make the, you would not not pray what you need to pray. Why did my guy make the intention for Isha behind the Imam? Because he knew I can't make Maghrib out of this. But in Dhuhr and Asr, you wouldn't do that. You would go in knowing that it's his Asr, it's my Dhuhr. Of course. Yeah, that's our, that's our position. If you miss the second rakah of Jummah, meaning that you didn't get any of the ruku's, yeah. How does it count as a zuhur? That's going to come in Jummah section. Couple of uh, weeks, couple of, couple of weeks time. We're going to cover that in a lot of detail. It's not the time for it now. Yeah. Straight after the, the Isha prayer, if he didn't know certain that he missed the first rakah, and why can't he not still do three why the question uh, Sulaiman said that if a person did come after the first uh, rakah had been missed in Isha and needed to pray Maghrib, why couldn't he uh, uh, just pray with that Imam? Rather, the opposite is why can he? Not why couldn't he? Why can he? How can he? How can you have a a intention which is not different in the the prayer but different in structure? Yeah, yeah, meaning that you are... Uh, by the way, this is my uh, opinion and the position of the majority. We already said that Malik allows this, okay? Uh, we, we, we call it the Sheikh Walid opinion, right? You know, that he loves to do that. Someone, yani, you know, you have the intention of a certain prayer, but then you found out that the guy is, you know, 
was that what was the smell? Was that the smell? I've forgotten now that I've, I've forgotten the scenario. I've actually forgotten the scenario. But anyway, the point is, is that this is not the position of our class and it's not the position of the majority of scholars. But there are, yeah, there are some people that said that. That is one of the opinions that just delay. You'll find, I've seen people not going in because of that. That's a madness, isn't it? I mean, that in itself is right there enough proof for me to say this is completely invalid. Imagine that breaking all the rules of the prayer to intentionally not join the prayer. On what basis is that? Now, they will say, no, it only works if it happens ajanak like that. I have, I, you know, I have a big problem with that. That sounds like you know, an abuse. You know what I'm saying? And very kind of thin ground. All right. Um, what's our next uh, situation? Uh, the fifth one. Um, that Sheikh Uthaymin mentions, uh, this is him now adding more details that we should be aware of when it comes to combining, is that when we hear the word two dhuhrs, we don't assume by mistake that that means Jum'ah and Asr as well. And that's a big issue. A lot of people don't know that. Well, first of all, they don't know there's an issue. And secondly, they don't know what opinion they're actually on. So there's very few scholars that allow you to combine Asr with Jum'ah prayer. And the reasoning for it is straightforward because Jum'ah is not Dhuhr, that's it. Okay, it's simple as that. Now, the others that said that no, uh, 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 the, the evidences that are being used by the other side are more kind of logical ones. What's the point of a concession if you don't allow people to use it? How can they pray Dhuhr when it's Jum'ah that's being offered? Etc, etc, etc. So kind of emotional kind of reasons, logical kind of reasons. The, 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 the position of the majority and, uh, and Sheikh Uthameen's position very strong, very clear and strong, is that this is not possible. This was never done by the Prophet ﷺ. You can't make an analogy between Zuhr and Jum'ah because Jum'ah is entirely different. It's not like a little bit different. It's different in every way. Okay? By the way, one thing that Sheikh Uthameen mentioned, which I, I, I forgot to mention, when it comes to order of obligatory prayers, this is only something in the Hanbali school that needs to be maintained when you're performing those prayers on time. Whereas if you had missed prayers, for example, missed prayers, you still need to maintain the order of those missed prayers. Let's say like a couple of days ago, something happened and you forgot to pray all five prayers, but whatever. Okay? So now you realize, I can't believe I've missed a whole day's prayers. I've got to pray them right now. You've got to pray Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha in order when you're making them up. But let's say that you forgot and you did dhuhr first and then asr then you forgot and then you realized i didn't do uh, fajr so then you prayed the fajr after the asr one then you did the maghrib and the isha the humbly school and actually majority of scholars say this was valid he doesn't need to repeat it again even though the order was broken because he forgot because he forgot not because he did it intentionally because he forgot and this forgetfulness is something which the fuqaha allow when it's qada because they said, well, time's gone anyway. Order's gone anyway. Everything's gone anyway, so we'll be a bit more lenient. But when it comes to offering what we call ada, when you're offering the prayer in its right time, you must maintain order. And there is no excuses. There is no yeah, any flexibility or anything like that. Is that clear? Yeah? I just want to just finish that off. So back to the point of Jum'ah. Sheikh says that this is a completely independent prayer. It's different in shurutiha wa hayatiha wa arkaniha wa thawabiha aydan. 
He goes, it's completely different in its preconditions, in the structure, in the way that it's offered, in its pillars, in the reward for it as well. And it's so much more rewarded, and so on and so forth. And uh, the, the evidences are only narrated with respect to Zuhr and Asr, never been narrated from the Prophet ﷺ that he did that. And it's not possible for you to do analogy between them because they're two entire different points. He goes, even the time is different. Now, again, I don't want to open up this chapter of Jum'ah because this is not the chapter of Jum'ah. But the Hanbalis don't uh, uh, believe that the, the, uh, not only is Dhuhr and Asr, Dhuhr and Jum'ah not the same, not only is one uh, not a replacement either, but it's a completely different prayer, even the time is different. So the time for Jum'ah, according to Al-Hanabila, starts before Dhuhr. Okay? It starts in Doha time. So it's a more flexible matter, and we're going to cover that issue in a lot of detail. It's a controversial point. And that's because of a number of narrations that the Sahaba prayed the Jum'ah prayer before Zawal. Right? And so, according to the Hanabila, the time for Jum'ah is from Doha until Asr. And the time for Dhuhr is from Zawal, after Zawal, until Asr. So they're so different. So they go, you can't make any kind of Qiyas, you can't do anything, etc., etc. Okay? Uh, and also another reason that they're different is that Jum'ah is only valid in its time. So even though the time is wider, yeah, you can only pray Jum'ah in its time. If you were, for example, arrived to the masjid and Asr had started, would you pray Jum'ah? No. You can't pray Jum'ah. Jum'ah is gone. You pray Dhuhr. Whereas if you, on a Thursday, arrived at the masjid and it's Asr time, would you pray Asr, Dhuhr or not? Of course you would. Which shows that the Dhuhr is Dhuhr in its time and out of its time. Jum'ah is only Jum'ah. In its time, out of its time is Dhuhr. You get the point? So on many angles, 10 points maybe, Dhuhr and, Asr, Dhuhr and Jum'ah are entirely separate, independent and different. Therefore, you can't make an analogy. And that's important. Because if we're saying you can combine, it's because we're making an analogy between Zuhr and Jum'ah. And to make an analogy, you have to have the parameters on, the si on, the, on, on both sides the same. Literally, the only thing they have in common is the afternoon time. And even that is questionable. Yeah, because one is wider than the afternoon. Yeah. If you're traveling and you if you're traveling and you arrive at the masjid to pray Jum'ah, well that's actually what he's gonna say now. Let, let, let's, let's just carry on. <coughs> right. So and then Sheikh says that, and to be honest, I've added that clarification, but actually the author has indicated that anyway because he said the jamat between a Dhuhrain, yeah. So uh not Dhuhrain, yeah. So he didn't indicate Jumai in that anyway. Now he goes, what if a person was to say that I am a traveler, or he didn't say I'm a traveler. I, yeah, I'm a traveler, yeah. Um, and I want to pray Dhuhr so that I don't trap myself. Yeah? So I'm at the masjid and I want to pray Dhuhr. And Dhuhr for me is two rakah anyway. And Jum'ah is two rakah, right? And I'm Musafir. 
scenario you spoke, all right? We're on the travel, we stop by, closest masjid is Jum'ah. So I'm musafir anyway, and I only pray two rak'ah. And the irony is, is that if I pray Jum'ah with this Imam, I've trapped myself in terms of options, yeah? But if I pray Dhuhr, I've got all the options open for me in terms of combining an X and Y and Z. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to intend Dhuhr behind this Imam praying Jum'ah. This is what the guy says. This is the response of Sheikh Uthami. He says, according to the Hanafis, and, and there are more than the Hanafis, of course, that said that the intentions need to be the same, this is not possible in the first place. So the Hanafis could never do this, right? Even though we said that actually they're the ones who, in the Jum'ah prayer, have got that little issue that they've kind of got to deal with anyway. But... Anyway, they will say, you can't do this. You can't intend from the beginning. They, they will say, no, no. We're not saying you can differ with the imam. You can only differ with the imam when the prayer is gone. Then you can differ because you've missed the Jum'ah, so now you can make the intention of Allah. But you're talking about him starting with the prayer with takbirat al-ihram with the imam and he's not even intending to pray Jum'ah. He's praying, he's intending to pray Dhuhr. So that's why the Hanafis were saying no. So he goes, that's for starters. Then, you know, Anyway, he goes, as for the stronger opinion, Sheikh Uthameen claims this point, and that's certainly the position of the majority, and that's what? That the niyyah of the imam and the follower does not always need to be the same. It can be different. If you follow this methodology, then it doesn't matter that your intention is for dhuhr and your, the imam's intention is for jum'ah, and therefore this is a valid act to make a different intention, intention for dhuhr behind an imam praying Jum'ah. The act itself is valid. But we will say to him, don't you dare, he doesn't say dare, but I'm telling you dare, don't you dare make that intention for dhuhr. Don't make that. Yeah, it's valid legally, technically, but don't be thinking about doing that. Because if you did that, you do that, you've just thrown away the reward of Jum'ah for your little desire for a little bit of extra flexibility by trying to make it Dhuhr. And you've thrown away not just the reward of Jum'ah, but a reward which is far more than the niyyah that you're asking for. So you shouldn't do it. Now he's just using an evangelical kind of argument there. It's more retor, more, you're more emotional. It's not a legal argument. He's already said, legally that's possible, but man, who, who would do that? Now, that's not a great argument, frankly. Yeah? But, but it's, the, it's what all of us would say. He goes, how would you do that? He's like, he's like how, why would a person ever do that? And we all know why you do that, bro. If you've got to get on the road, yeah? And it's, it's raining outside and it's this, that, whatever. And now not doing this means I have to pray... I have to either wait here for Asr to enter or I'm going to have to pray Asr on the streets. That's the reason we're doing it. And if we have to miss the Ajr of Jum'ah, then so be it. Yeah, but anyway. Um, and Sheikh goes, the, the answer is easy. Living in Saudi, of course it's easy. Yeah, he goes, leave Asr until the, uh, uh, the Asr time enters and then pray on time. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Great, yeah, solution. <laughs> Great solution. Oh... So he goes, um, he goes, and anyway, he goes, anyone 
who, uh, uh, he goes, forget all this, and this is now a much more stronger point. He goes, someone who's obligated to pray Jumu'ah, and that's a big issue, right? And we will, we'll come to that in its right time. Who allowed them in the first place to make a decision to pray Dhuhr anyway? Now you might say, well, if he's a Musafir, then he's not obligated to pray Jumu'ah. Well, is that true? Does everybody agree that if you're a Musafir, you're not obligated to pray Jumu'ah? There are, there's nuance to that. Even those that said that, they would say that that's only if you don't attend the masjid. But if you attend the masjid, then you're not praying Jumu'ah as well, even though normally it would be, right? So the matter is actually quite a sensitive one. So the idea that a person would do that is out there. Anyway, what's the... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, questions yeah, on that. I don't want to speak any more about that unless there's questions about this particular issue. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you pray dhuhr and you now have a reason to combine afterwards, and now you decide to pray asr in the dhuhr time, yeah. You're in dhuhr time if you pray jumaa, yeah. Now your reason has arrived, and now you're. This is called combining. No, no. After Jum'ah, you cannot read that Asr in the Jum'ah time. That's the whole point. But it's not Dhuhr time, it's Jum'ah time. If you're at home on Friday, didn't attend Jum'ah, right? And you were ill, for example, you'd combine between Dhuhr and Asr. That's the simple scenario. Once you've got involved in Jum'ah, which you should do, and we must be, then you've got to go by the rules of Jum'ah. There is no praying Asr in that time period, and you're going to have to end up praying Asr in its right time. Bro, man, put that on the Telegram chat, and good luck to whoever finds you that thing. We covered that in so much detail, bro. I want to say in the Sunan sections of the night prayer, we went through the evidences. There's a lot. We've discussed it in a lot of detail, definitely. Yeah. Last year of planning, no, I don't think so. If anybody has combined Dhuhr and, 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 uh, and if anybody has combined Jumu'ah with Asr, this prayer is not invalid. This is a mujtahid opinion. It is a clear, like, there are some scholars that said, uh, no, we disagree. The Jumu'ah, Allah has uh, uh, replaced Dhuhr with, and therefore anything that needs to happen that helps people, then it should continue as well. Which is, might not be with the evidences, but it's not an outrageous opinion. It's not a shocking, yani, you know, outlier. Who is that I want to actually say, uh, I don't know the, uh, the, the uh, specifics, but I want to say that it's a lot more... Um, Supported, uh, I don't know actually, uh, but it's a lot more supported than what we may think. Like, like I, I, I want to say, it's not as outrageous as we, as we may think. I know the majority don't, but I can't go go with numbers. It's been a while, but obviously when Juma comes, we'll, we'll revise it. Yeah. Actually, he is sair. He's not even like state proper traveler. Yeah. Comes to a masjid where. Traveling, traveling. Should he do a little detour for the Jum'ah? 
That's what Shazad Salim says. <laughs> I don't know about four madhabs, yani, saying that he has to make a, uh, uh, a deviation. Um, I don't know if that claim is true. I find it difficult to believe that, that the madhahib believe that it's a bid'ah for a person to detour uh, intentionally. But I would, certainly I would be justifying that position. Uh, uh, like, what is that even? If a person's literally on the way and he makes a detour just for, it doesn't fit anything of the principles of Jum'ah, the concept of Jum'ah, the objective of Jum'ah. You know what I'm saying? So even though I'd like that theoretically to be true, I don't know if that claim is true. But yes, it's strange that a person would be on the motorway and think, you know, he's going down the M6 and he's like, I've got to get myself to Green Lane. Like, like you know, unless he's going to Ice Cafe afterwards. Which, bro, does some, does some sick behavior there, isn't it? Then you know what I mean? Yep. Ross, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're like this guy who said, yeah, you must do what this, this guy said. You know, I might just pray Juma behind this guy with the intention of Dhuhr. Save yourself two raka'ah there, bro. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's like, you know, that's crazy. I don't, I mean, no, I do know. Your one is definitely not on the cards because Dhuhr is what has been, uh, there's no Dhuhr that day. Unless you didn't pray Jum'ah at all. But if you prayed Jum'ah, you prayed Dhuhr of that day ish. Ross, man, that's playing around, man. But that was Isha, though, innit? That was Isha with your intention of Isha, and he was praying Isha. Went into the masjid for Jum'ah and you made the intention for Dhuhr just to get the reward of the nafal type of, of Jum'ah and then pray Dhuhr. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I just view this as a sunnah prayer. And then once you finish that prayer, you're going to pray Maghrib and then Isha. Yeah. So over here, you know, you change the intention there. But the intention was not changed in the structure of the prayer. Allah Alam. Yeah. So, let's say you have prayed Jum'ah here, and you have five hits, like four hits up. Yes. So you're going to miss the... Uh, what are you doing in Chido <laughs> for Jum'ah with your flight at four o'clock, bro? That's all I want to know. <laughs> are you kidding me? I will like, no, I'm sure that they told me that there were security problems <laughs> at the airport. Europe, London, Bradford, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be at that airport which is Salim and he's going four hours before because my guy will never risk being caught here for Jum'ah and I'm with him 100% wild horses need to be yeah, need to used to drag me in here wild horses times two to drag yourself uh, Asif says the class position is clear when you have a reason to combine Maghrib and Isha and you enter a masjid whilst Isha is on. You cannot enter the congregation with the intention of Maghrib. Correct. That's correct. However, if the person has no reason to combine, missed his Maghrib and it is now Qada, can he now join the congregation with the intention of Isha since the time of Maghrib has passed away and he has to make Qada? No, we already answered that actually, Asif. We said that you can't do it intentionally. 
When a prayer is qada, even for the qada prayers, you can't change order intentionally, only forgetfully. Okay? Only forgetfully. So even if there was a severe storm in a masjid, meaning the people couldn't return for asr, then combining asr wouldn't be allowed? Um, yani, a, 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 a fatwa for an extraordinary scenario is easy to give. We don't need to give justifications and say we're, we're combining Jum'ah and we're combining X, Y, Z. If you're talking about such a hypothetical, then we can give the hypothetical answer to that as well. You don't need to worry about that scenario. If it's In Astaghfirullah. Astaghfirullah. Attacking Shiru Masjid. Would I ever do that? Would I ever do that? That openly and publicly. What he's basically saying is that they knowingly, they allowed the prayer to, that's why you shouldn't come to the second khutbah at all, by the way. Right? They just allow it to just go on until whenever and the Asr prayer is already entered. Then they pray the Asr in their correct time, which according to Shizad Salim is a combining, therefore invalidated. So you need to repeat all of your asrs that you prayed in Shida every Friday for your whole life according to Jazat Salim. Um, what is the class position about the situation of traveling right after Jum'ah and combining asr? Yeah, that's our position. Yeah, my position is the same. Uh, even though I'm sympathetic to the logic of the other opinion, I think this is the, the uh, there is a, I think there's a, what's it called? Um, I think the safety position is to assume Jum'ah is completely separate. Is there an argument that this only applies for the Hanbalis who allow Jum'ah to be prayed before Zawal so that they say it's a different prayer? No, I don't think there's an argument. That's why we gave 10 differences and we only mentioned that as a 10th, if you know what I mean. Yeah, There's plenty of, of uh, 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 other... So, so in, in the winter... Yeah. Who's they? According to you, yes. My timetable, all right. Yeah. According to my timetable, the second Jum'ah enters into Asr in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. Okay, and so you finish saying your Jum'ah and it's Asr time. So yeah. That's not combining, by the way. That's not binding, by the way. When, when you bind a prayer, okay. By the way, uh, it's no, but the Hanafi one is done intentionally. <coughs> by the way, we forgot to mention, by the way, that, we're, we're, that when it comes to this issue, we talk about binding the prayers, not combining the prayers, okay? Binding. And that's because my mom called me the other day. She goes, Am I binding Zuhar uh, and Asr? I said, What's that, mom? She goes, Am I, we've got a hospital appointment. Am I binding Zuhar and Asr? I said, Binding. She, I, I was completely, then when she said Zuhar and Asr, I said, combining then I said to Shaz I go you see that older generation especially packs when would they ever in their vernacular have to use the word combine in any aspect of life think about it like your day-to-day -day, taking the kids to school back and you know the little tutti-putti English that you learn combine wouldn't come up think about it and that's when I realized that my mom has never ever in her 60 70 years ever heard of the word combine until we lot started saying it or she hears it here and there and then she doesn't you're not even hearing the word come so she's hearing binding so she goes yeah it's binding so i said from now on she says that we are now making sure that we only bind the prayer no combining it's bind the prayer sick line it's bind zohar and right so uh what's answering oh yeah the the, the 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 pseudo combining that we said is not a combining that's the whole point 
is what the Hanafis will allow. But then what are they allowing? It's something which everybody allows to pray in the end of one prayer time and, and the, 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 the beginning of the other prayer time. It's not a, it's not a, a combining uh, uh, at all, actually. All right. Um, now, the next point that we have is the uh, excuse for or the reason for combining that's got to be present when no am i have i moved no sorry yeah what, what, what am i done here yeah well fee shot sorry at the bottom of 300 402 no no we're done that i'm lost now man I'm so excited that we're nearly finished will we not okay he goes that the um the uh, the reason for combining has got to be present at the beginning of the second prayer. All right, it says if you are combining uh, uh, in the early time and you're bringing the later prayer forward, yeah, you're bringing it back you're forward. What are you doing? You're bringing it forward. Yeah, you're bringing it forward, the asr, and you're going to pray at the whole time. Well then, when you're about to pray the Asr prayer, whatever time you decide to pray, the, the, re the reason for it has got to be present. Is that clear? And that's also, that's, that's absolutely the case. Now the real question is, is that does the reason need to remain until the end of that prayer? So if you brought the Asr forward, yeah, and you started, the humbly say that the reason has got to be there until the end of that prayer. Sheikh Uthameen says, no, it doesn't. So if the rain is raining and then it suddenly dries up, or a person is sick and suddenly feeling a lot better, right? But, you know, he's feeling sick enough to start the prayer, but then it magically gets better after, you know, two rak'ah. Smashed it, innit? Took yani, benefit of the thing and sick guy. So yeah, anyway, he goes, this is something which is permissible. Right, now we finish off this chapter by saying the second type of combining, which is jamu ta'khir. So delaying now the Dhuhr until Asr time or delaying the Maghrib until Isha time. The first condition here is that the intention for the Jama' has got to be done in the beginning, uh, has got to be done in the time of the first prayer. And this is very important that you understand this now. Now the reason that he has to be very specific on this issue is because a lot of people are going to blag this, aren't they? They've got lazy on the Dhuhr prayer. They forgot about the Dhuhr prayer. And then as a last kind of gasp kind of thingy, they create a reason for themselves and say, oh, well, I'm actually combining this with Asr. And so, first of all, it's got to be done. Not only is it got to be done in its time, but it cannot be done when there's only one minute left. You say, why can't it be done with one minute left if there's enough time to pray Dhuhr? Because nobody can pray Dhuhr in one minute. Does that make sense? <laughs> so there has to be a minimum of, for example, four or five minutes left for the first time, whether that's Maghrib or whether that's Zohar, before you can make the intention that you're going to delay it. If you did it in less than that time, what have you done? You have done something haram and you can't take a concession off the back of something haram. Does that make sense? So you can't now use the concession, which is a concession of combining a couple of hours later by doing a haram act. That's not, it's not possible. But you can take a concession if you do the halal act, which is to do it five, ten minutes before. Is that clear, everybody? This is what it means by uh, 
uh, as long as يعني, there's enough time to pray it. Okay? Um, Sheikh says, what about, um, uh, he gives an example here. There was a, a, a right? There's a traveler. This guy, the time has gone past, Dahar, okay? He's only got one minute left. And now he realizes, oh, Salat al-Dhuhr. Yeah, he's a traveler. He only needs to pray two. Yeah. And he's, he hasn't prayed it all the way through. And then he's only got one minute left. And he now makes the intention, I'm going to now pray this with Asr. Okay. This intention is invalid. Because he did something which is impermissible, which is to delay the prayer outside of its time. Remember, to tra a traveler has no permission to do that. Yeah, Nobody has any permission to do that, just for its own intrinsic state. You've got to have a reason, and you've got to be able to do it in its right time. So, and so therefore, this is not valid, this niyyah, and it's not possible. What we're going to do, he has to pray this prayer right now even though it's not going to be completed in its time. So he's got one minute left. He's told, no, you can't do that. He makes a call. He asks, can I make the intention to combine? I forgot. There's only one minute left. No, you can't. You've got to pray a dhuhr right now. So he starts the dhuhr right now. He finishes it in asr time. And then he prays the asr time. He prays the asr after that. Whether he causes combining or not combining is completely irrelevant. This is why we said that the Hanafi form of it is irrelevant, whether it's combining or not. Each prayer is being prayed in its right time. He has to make tawbah and istighfar for what he did for the dhuhr, and he prays the asr, and that's fine. Is that clear, everybody? And the final point, then, is that the udhr, if you're combining the prayers at a later time, istimrarul udhr ila duhul al-waqt that the excuse has got to be present, okay, at the time uh, of the second prayer, right? Because that's what, that's what you're using the, the combining uh, 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 for, right? Now, Sheikh says, for example, Rajulun, Musafir, he has made the intention to combine the prayers and do Jama'at Ta'khir. So he's going to delay the Dhuhr until the Asr time. All right? He's on his way back home. He's a traveler. He's not going to pray. He's going to pray when he gets home. وَلَكِنَّهُ He then arrives home, but he arrives in the dhuhr time. Okay? So he left in dhuhr time, made the intention, I'm going to pray my dhuhr and asr when I get home. He's allowed to do that because he's got the excuse of safar. However, he arrives home whilst it's still dhuhr time. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah? It is not permissible for him to combine the dhuhr and asr. He has to offer the dhuhr right now. Why? Because the excuse for combining is not present at the second time. The excuse for combining has expired. And he's still in the first time. And now he has to therefore offer the prayer. Is that clear, everybody? So he has to pray that prayer right now. And Sheikh makes this point. He goes, a lot of people find this issue difficult to understand. All right? Like kathir min al-nas. 
they will make this intention and then they'll go home and, uh, and they will not pray the Dhuhr prayer even though they got home in the Dhuhr time because they've done combining intention. This is a mistake. He goes, It's obligatory upon him to pray that right there and then. Other than, of course, a scenario where this guy has come and traveled like 16 hours, blah, 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 smashed out of his head, can't even concentrate, think whatever, and he arrives home. Huh. This jama'ah is not for suffer. This jama'ah is because of nakedness. We've said that this is, combining is a much more flexible matter. So he's now, got, I've got to just go hit the sack. He just goes straight to bed, and he's made the intention that I'm going to pray, I'm going to set the alarm for three hours, I'm going to pray my dhuhr and asr when I wake up, late asr job. You get my point? This is not because of the suffer, but because of a new reason, because of his extreme tiredness or illness or X, Y, uh, Z. Um, next point is, this guy might turn around and say, okay, then I'll do that. When I wake up, I'll pray two and two. Yeah, we'll say, which is what the majority say, no, you'll wake up and you'll pray four and four. He'll say, but I made the intention for this prayer when it was only obligatory upon me as a musafir, which is two rak'ah, isn't it? And we'll say, that's right. But the ibra, the ruling is not based upon the timing that you do something, but the prayer itself and when it's offered. So it works vice versa. So when you made the intention for the prayer when it's only two upon you, but then you prayed it in a place where it's got to be four, you got to pray four. But vice versa as well. If you are a guy at home who has no intention of traveling and you got to pray four rakah al-dhuhr and then suddenly get the call, got to leave, dhuhr was obligated upon you as four but he doesn't pray until he's 20 miles down the road on his 100-mile journey, or he's even three miles down the road, actually, outside of his town, on his journey to his journey, and he prays how many? Two. Because the concern is not given to the niyyah and where it was given, but to the location of where it's being offered. And Sheikh said that if you think about this example, this proves that we were right first time around when we adopted this position, because the humbly see it is different. Okay? And so that's uh, a point. Um, Sheikh then says, uh, we can uh, conclude by saying, He didn't mention the issue of the continuity in between the prayers. Like the, uh, so if you remember for the first one, what did he say? That they've got to be together. Isn't it? Yeah? They've got to be together. There's no gap in between. You can't pray in between, etc. But in the in the ta'khir, when you're delaying two prayers to the second time, whether that's Dhuhr and Asr in the Asr time or Maghrib and Isha in the Isha time, he didn't mention the condition of that the prayers have got to be together. Did you notice that? Therefore, Sheikh Uthameen says, we can summarize then in the concept of the, the keeping the two prayers together, the continuity must be immediate. You've got to pray the second prayer straight after. There are three positions. We can conclude. Some of the scholars said, number one, that the continuity is an absolute requirement and a condition in every time when you combine the prayer. Whether you combine them at the earlier time, whether you combine it at the later time, but you've always got to pray the second prayer straight after. So Dhuhr and Asr or Maghrib Isha, whether you're doing it early or late, in either of the times, you've got to pray. And that's what some of the scholars have said. Some scholars, he said, have said that he goes, some said that it's not a condition 
whether in the beginning time or in the, in the earlier combining or the later combining. And that's Sheikh Uthameen, for example. And that's our class position as well. It's neither a condition in the early ones, neither in the later ones. And then the third position is what the Hanbalis are stating right here. That there's a, there's a caveat, that there's a more detail in it. That it's not a condition when you delay the prayers, Jama'at Taqdeem, but it is a condition when you pray early. Jama'at, uh, sorry, Jama'at Taqdeem, beg pardon, no problem. But in Jama'at Taqdeem, when you pray at the early time, it is required to be together. Okay, it is required to be together, and this is the position of the Hanbali school. Person might say, why did the Hanbalis make this difference? Anyone know? Going back into Hajj mode. The answer is, they said that we can't treat the earlier one like the second one, right? When they look at the Arafah example, first of all, this happened very rarely. So you got very, you got bare bones really to, to work with. But the big one was, of course, the day of Arafah. And so the Prophet said, we pray Zuhr and Asr. And if you look at the hadith, there's like nothing that happens in between. And so the common sense suggests that as soon as he finished Zuhr, he prayed the Asr and job done. Yeah? But when the hadith continues about Maghrib and Isha, who remembers what the hadith states? Anyone remember? Anyone remember what happens? The hadith states that the Prophet, when they arrived at Muzdalifah, they immediately just like put everything down and they prayed Maghrib. When we read that, what do we understand? That the animals were not yani, put in a kind of, you know, but just literally just left there standing, let's pray Maghrib. Okay? Then the narrator says, if I remember correctly, that every, as soon as we finished the Maghrib, every person then went and tied up their rides. Like a proper settling down, if you like. Now, the time is not mentioned, by the way, but that action is mentioned. Now, that's not something which can happen. You know, everyone thinks it's like Urtrul. You know, you just reach the... Have you ever noticed, Yani, in the branch when they used to do that? Every time the Urtrul turned around, every little twig, Yani, is strong enough to hold a horse. Did you notice that, Anshad? They would just go... Tuck, just tuck. That's something I was looking at. Every single time that he did that, I'm thinking to myself, how the fish is this little twig, yeah, holding this big Yani tanko over... What was it in my hip Actor Gali? That beautiful. Huh? That's a betrayal. No, I said it wrong. Sorry. What is it? Was it? Actor Gali. Actor Gali. Whatever. The white horse, Yara. The Gora horse. Proper Gora. Did you know that? I know you're a racist guy. You know where Gora comes from? Yeah, you think it's white man, innit? I know that you thought it was white man. Yeah. It's a white horse, okay? Shaz, it is, yeah? Like I'd ask you for anything but Urdu. Hamza? Gora means white horse, yeah? Gora means horse. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Gora means oh. white. Oh, they're two different words. Don't you dare go give it English. Gora. And the other one? Haji. Sofji Haji. Subhanallah, I thought it was the same word. And what did I do? Ah, Shazad, Shazad goes, yes. You see that? Second I said, Shazad, Yani, he says, yes. I told you, knows nothing about Urdu whatsoever. Although recently I heard him speaking Urdu to someone, and it was really sweet, actually. It was really sweet. 
Yes? I don't, don't want to remind you, Diogo. Doing your best thing. Anyway, so what I'm saying is that it's not like what you see in the movies where you just, you know, just tie it to the... It takes time. You know what I mean? And this is Muzdalifah, bro. There is nothing. <laughs> okay? So there's a whole load of folks with a whole load of rights. It's going to take some time. This is the point. And so their ulama, they said that because there's a bit of time involved, maybe it's not so immediate. You've got to have the prayers straight after the other, which is why the Hanabila said that we're relaxed on the issue when it comes to this, the, the delayed, uh, 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 when you push it to the latter ones, Jamal Taqdeem, but not so thingy. I think this is not an evidence at all. I agree with Sheikh Uthameen. I agree with the rest of the scholars that the, you don't need to have them together for any of the forms of combining, whether it's Taqdeem or Ta'khir, Wallahu Ta'ala A'lam. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Right, let's do questions, folks. All right. Maryam is now saying that I thought you thought I was joking. See, I'm very serious. I'm, I'm literally. Huh. Maryam has written it down as well. Gaf with the ha after it. <laughs> like, if I'm reading that, I'm reading Gahura. And it's a ta on the top of that, which I'm guessing makes the ra a bit different as well, huh? Gora. Gora. And then you've got white, which is gora. <laughs> if you were reading it without any tashkil. All right. Anyway, anyone wants to ask their questions, then this is the time now. Let's uh, uh, look at the, the first one I see here is... Uh, Hanafi Madhab starts, Asr starts later, so are they doing Jumma in the right time? Absolutely, of course. So according to the, the Hanabila, it is absolutely fine. Uh, the Hanafis, beg your pardon, sorry. It's absolutely fine. Away says, if there was a situation where someone genuinely forgot about Dhuhr, especially during the shorter days, then this person prays as soon as he remembers, and that is Ada and not Qada, even if this is the time of Asr, which I agree. In this scenario, a person would technically pray Zuhr and then Asr and there would be no intention of combining. That's correct. Actually, this will happen quite a few times. Um, right. When Shaykh Rathamin talks about the traveler arriving with time to spare to pray Zuhr so he cannot combine, does this refer to his actual home or the city limits? Actually, <coughs> it means the city limits. Right? It means the city limits. But practically, you're not going to stop in the street, are you? The, the actual point is home. But yeah. Technically, it's the city limits. Is that yeah. Really different to the rain aspect, for example. So it's raining, raining, raining. You say, okay, you know, I have to lay my zohar until after. So it's ra it's stop. raining right now. Yeah, in zohar time. And time, and I, I say right, okay, I'm going to delay my zohar. Oh, you mean you're at home? You're in the masjid. Yeah. And you've decided not to pray zohar even though you're no, in the masjid. No, you, uh, you pray zohar and for all scenarios. Yeah. You think of the scenario, just perfect the scenario. Um, catching a tail, uh, what if the intention was made correctly, assuming you are going to arrive in Asr time, but end up, end up arriving in Dhuhr time unexpectedly? No, it doesn't matter, Bilal, yani whether it's unexpectedly or expectedly. The, the problem is not with the intention. The, problem, the issue is now, now that you're here, okay, what do you do? You get what I'm saying, Bilal? It's not about the intention. Uh, if you are traveling on the motorway and you're not sure when you will stop to pray, but you have the intention at the start of journey that you'll be combining, is it flexible to choose to do it at Dhuhr or, 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 or Asr time? This is a really good question and a very practical one and also shows why the opinion that we have is a 
not, it doesn't show that it's correct, but it shows how useful it is. Because you should make that intention to combine. Whether you take use of it or not, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Because this is very accurate. You would set off and you'd think, and then suddenly someone says to you that, oh, by the way, you know what? There's a, a thing coming up here, and this has got musalla, and it's in Dhuhr time. You say, right, sick. I'll pull over here then, and I'll do it the other way around. I'll actually bring my asr forward and pray my dhuhr here or whatever. Or I'll just pray dhuhr on time. All of that's permissible. You are not obligated just because you made the intention to continue through with it. Come on. You're in London, you're traveling. And you're going to be traveling home that night, but by the time you get home, it's going to be very late. Yep, so you're about thinking basically Abu Dhar's nightmare all, 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 once over again, yeah? Uh, you're at a friend's apartment. All right, not in a hotel again, you're just chilling. Hotel, yeah, okay. So you're a bit more relaxed. Yep. You, you are there between Maghrib and Isha. You're there between Maghrib and Isha. Between Maghrib and Isha, what does that mean? I, you mean well, you're there for Maghrib and Isha? Again, Abu Dhar scenario. Did you combine or did you just leave the Maghrib session? Oh, you, so we spent half an hour on this guy thinking and you still ask that question. <laughs> I just wanted to confirm because me and my wife were differing over here. Oh, like Hamza and Abu Dhar, what you mean? <laughs> you mean you've literally asked the exact same question you thought, let me just change Hamza and Abu Dhar as me and my wife. You're having a laugh. By the way, I have no idea what we even uh, ruled in the end. I was right. No. Uh, yeah, Hamza was right. Hamza was right. Does this sound like you and your wife, yeah? There you go, all right? Deal with it yourself, okay? Yes, we're not opening that. We're not opening that. I'm pretty sure that I went with your wife on this matter. There you go. I.e. Hamza. Isha is right time, Maghrib is right time. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and what, and what, you sit right down in that corner, you sit right down in that corner, put that hoodie on, right, yes. Uh, you know, what's your view on, you know, some masajids during summer, when they combine Bagrabisha for like two, three months? Yeah, yeah unacceptable, yeah, that, that's obviously, we've covered that a lot, unacceptable for the masjid to do that, and the people should not pray that continuously, and if they do that at home, um, themselves because they are as an individual they need that because they're working very early then they should do it at home themselves but the masjid is not allowed to combine Maghrib and uh, Isha continuously 100% 100% although it's a valid prayer for those that follow it but I can say it's a bid'ah there's no doubt but those who do it they do it based upon fatwa and that fatwa is not a illegitimate fatwa so if a person follows that position we're not saying to them that your Isha is invalidated and you've got to pray all of your Isha's again but we can say that this is impermissible, we can say it's bid'ah, that's my opinion, yes. You're talking about the summer, summer months? Yeah. They delay the Maghrib until? Until, I don't know, 40 minutes before. Uh, 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 for, for what reason? No, I'm not getting it. You go into the Masjid 20 minutes before Maghrib, so that you're only having to go into the Masjid. Oh, 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 right. Yeah, you. It's just leaving Maghrib till very late. Okay, you mean as an individual? Or you mean the masjid? Or you mean the masjid? The masjid as a policy? 
the con so the imam decides to let's say that because we know that maghrib is at 9:50 okay in june yeah 9:50 and uh, isha is a good 10 past 11 so instead of doing the jamaa at 9:55 he sets the time at 10:45 as the jamaa time for salatul maghrib to allow people to stay there for isha which is the weirdest thing i've ever heard by the way I'll tell you why, because as Shazad just said, and he's right, he goes that that's what you would do if there was raining. This is what you'd do if it was whatever. This is not, this is the opposite of what they are trying to do, which is that we want to get the prayers of the day done and dusted so people can go to sleep by 10 o'clock. So we're going to bring the Isha forward and whatever. Obviously, bringing the Isha forward, so I, I have no problem with the ruling, by the way. Because the ruling is, is that the signs for Isha are very unclear. So instead of basing our fiqh upon the, the lack of clarity of 1 hour 10, 1 hour 15, 1 hour 30, 1 hour 45, let's go and do something which is absolutely clear, which is the permissibility for extreme reasons to combine. So I completely agree with that. What I completely disagree with is then formalizing and institutionalizing it. So it's important. You need to know the difference. Shortening and combining, yeah. For a musafir only, yes. That would be a musafir, for example, who is on a one particular journey and realizes, man, this is a mission. I'm going to be I have a trouble on the way home. I need to combine my prayer. No, no. First of all, the Hanafis don't allow combining anyway, right? So their travelers wouldn't be able to combine. But yeah. The Shafi'is, the Hanabila, the majority of scholars that allow someone to shorten, allow combining as well. The big mistake is what? That people think that when you're a traveler, you combine. That's not the case. When you're a traveler, you pray Qasr. And if you need to combine, then you are allowed to combine for the same way that a person who is not a traveler would be looking for reasons, i.e. there's a real issue or person's ill or tired or X or Y or Z. And because a person being a traveler is more difficult life than normal, that person's threshold is a very low one. So they just need to say, yeah, you know what? I'm not, you know, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. It's allowed. Yeah, Hamza. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, I know your question. No, no, I know your question. And we, we did mention that. And that is that, um, that, yes. Actually, by the way, that's not technically correct that the travels of yesteryear were all either jihad, politics, or work. The concept of a nuzha and a break did actually exist. Obviously, it's not an industry like the majority of our journeys today. So, anyway, the first condition of taking any concession is that it is permissible, right? Uh, sorry, that the thing that's making you take the concession is permissible. And so we spoke about that in the early uh, uh, lessons of Safar and combining, and that is that if the journey itself is a haram journey, then there are some scholars that said it's impermissible for a person to combine or even to shorten, basically take any concession, right? Whereas as long as it is permissible and to go for holidays and to go for leisure even every week might not be great, might not be great use of money, but it's permissible. 
So there's no difference on this point. All the scholars accept that if a person is going on a holiday or just chilling or just dosing, this is permissible. So my thing is like, so you, you get there, yep. in your hotel, you set yourself up. Yep. You're in the hotel now, you're yep. in that other state. Yep. And then you're going out that day to do some sightseeing. In yep. City, yep. Like, yep. Go on Russell, can I combine you on Russell and say, well, because I'm in a non-Muslim country, I'm not going to be difficult for me. I think so. I think so. But not because of the fact that it's non-Muslim country, blah, 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 but because you are a traveler. Now, whilst you're there and you consider yourself to be a traveler, then yes. But if you get there and you're not, this is what we were speaking about, the whole Nottingham situation and a flat. And do I see this as my home? And if you do, then you kind of create yourself a problem. Why? Because then if that flat, that second flat, that work flat that you're there literally all week is a home, then your work also becomes a home. Just like if you live in Tudor and work in MRI, that's not that's home, isn't it? Yeah. Now, if we go to Nottingham and work in the Nottingham Hospital, if we didn't live in the home flat, that'd be proper, you know, suffer and all the combining and everything that we want. But once we've decided to, you know, rent a house and make it home, and it's like there, I'm there most of the time, and I'm taking it as a ruling of home, then it's hospital is like MRI to home. You understand what I'm saying? Now, when you're going on holiday, you're never buying a home. You're going to an Airbnb, you're going to a hotel, you can get as comfortable as you want for 10 days or a week or whatever. It's still a traveling situation. You're not at home, blah, blah. It's just easy. This is the real tough one, right? And there's no right answer for that scenario. But for the holiday, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, so, let's have a look. Uh, Bilal's question was if a person already combined but then ended up no no the prayer has been prayed absolutely as I always said yeah is that the same if you slept through maghrib and woke up during isha time maghrib won't be qada nor the intention of a combining correct yeah uh, uh, if a person has woken up late it's not qada we said that Ibn Taymiyyah's position is this is ada because the Prophet said that when a person wakes up or remembers it and let him pray it it's not that is the time that is the actual time of the prayer it's a technical point. Final point now, final question, uh, Russian uh, Jess. Whilst traveling, Maghrib time comes in. You estimate that you will get home on time, but then there are sudden delays on the road. Google Maps is showing you'll be home just before Maghrib ends. Can you make the intention to delay Maghrib, or should you see how long it takes? You arrive home two minutes before, but need to make wudu. Should you intend to delay and combine with Isha? That's such a real reality, isn't it? That's so real, that. Happens all the time, that. Um, so when you're saying that the delay or the intention is not, <coughs> it's not physical for me, so what's wrong in just making that intention when you arrive home? And, and, and the problem is not the intention to delay Maghrib because that's permissible. Yeah. The time for Maghrib is permissible all the way until Isha. Yeah. It's not great, but it is permissible. And it's not even right to say it's not great. It is permissible. In the Hanafi school, you're going to get killed. No. In the Hanafi school, you're going to get يعني, frowned upon. It's your mom and dad who are going to kill you. Yeah? Because their pack version is the one that's never going to allow you to pray Maghrib outside of 20 minutes. Yeah? Right. But it's valid. That's, that, that's got to be stated. So for Maghrib, it's allowed to uh, delay. The question is not about the delay. The question is about, I'm worried that 
I'm not going to make it. And so can I be delaying it outside of its time? And when it's delayed to that level, what happens then? So uh, that's, an, that's, that's an issue. That is an issue. But I have to say that that's when a, a scenario where a person kind of was forced into that, into that situation. We're kind of using a lot of the fact that it's a lady, it's a car, it's traffic, there's no place to stop. We're kind of now saying this is an extraordinary scenario where you had every hope and intention to arrive back home in time. You didn't. It was too late. So then you're just going to pray, oh, we're going to just make this dhufar. I don't think that it's the biggest disaster in the world, but I don't think there's an easy out here. If a person knew that I know that I'm not going to get home in time and made the intention to pray with Isha, I think this is a far better thing to do. Yeah, you'd, you'd, yeah, yeah, basically you'd reassess the whole time thing a little bit closer to the end of uh, uh, Maghrib time and then make that call. And you'd make that safe call and obviously be aware that I can't be taking that kind of liberty uh, again. I did exactly this on Monday. And I, uh, um, you know, subhanAllah, I went to Bradford, right? And it was 53 miles on uh, thingy. Can you believe that? And I never thought myself that thing here. And I saw 50, and I said, yeah, quid's in here, mate. Lovely. Yeah? And, but I, bro, I'm telling you it's 53 miles. <laughs> bro, it was 53, customer 53 miles. Now, you know why I think it was 53 miles? I only dawned on me on the way back. I went past the thingy. Traffic center. Instead of going, um, of course it does. 100% it does. No, no. Yes, it does. It's not two miles. It's at least ten miles. You got it wrong, bro. It's not two miles. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that way around. hundred percent. It's two miles difference. Six miles. No. Yes. When you go Rochdale this way and that way, what's the difference? Well, the now. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and? So it's shorter, yeah. T we, we know it's shorter, but how much by? You know Do it right now. <laughs> yep. Yep, that way and that way. Yep. 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 19 miles if you go via M60 Trafford Center. No, no, no. Normal way, like we should take. Yeah. And? Other way? 24 miles. Five miles on Oldham, bro. Shut up, man. Come on, do it. Oh, here we go. You see that? Not giving me the alternative. Convenient. Anyway, I saw that and I said, great. Even though my heart was not comfortable with it. It wasn't. Well, it wasn't. And uh, I was hooking up with uh, Mufti Zubair. And uh, Mufti Zubair, you know Mufti Zubair, but who's you know one of the eminent scholars of this uh, of, of this country, and we wanted to, we were discussing something because the Fiqh of Death launch is coming soon, in the next couple of weeks, and um, there are some very very you know tough areas and very sensitive areas about turning life support off, and we're going to be doing a webinar on that um, and the parameters around uh, in not just turning off life support but also organ donation. For those that, uh, uh, well, you'll study it in a class when it, when, when, when it comes, but organ donation itself is a very 
not just a, a, a difficult subject, but also lots of caveats, especially when it comes to the timing of organ donation. And you've got to understand that when you're living in the West, I don't want to be teaching the class now, but, but when you are living in the West, the hospital system and everything that is obviously the government, the, the politics basically, is trying to create a set of circumstances where they can maximize the amount of organs that are viable. Therefore, therefore, calling death is the easiest thing in the world for them at the first sign of any kind of cardiorespiratory uh, uh, seizing, right? Function ceasing. Whereas in our position Islamically, we need neurological function to also cease as well as cardiorespiratory, uh, which therefore means that not just the, the fact that we can keep a body going, but we need complete brainstem death as well, etc., etc., which is, of course, a disaster for the organ transplant team because that means delaying everything, it's not great, blah, 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 blah. And there's a huge pressure. Now, we've given our fatwa, and we'll be going for a couple of hours in the class through all of the issues, the arguments, this, that. But there's a very interesting scenario that's come up that has actually caused myself and Mufti Zubair to rethink our position, our formal position as Al-Qalam on this, which we gave the fatwa for. And that is, what if the organ that is being transplanted would not affect the life of that person? Like the liver, for example, or a kidney. Now, I said to Mufti Zubair, I said, well, the kidney part, he's the one who brought this point up for discussion. I said to him, well, first of all, let's take kidney off the tables because the kidney can be given in life anyway, right? And it doesn't affect the person's life. Right? And in a significant fashion. A, a, a liver, how long will you last? Without a liver? Honestly, God, I'm, what did I tell you? That, that doctors are the world's most useless people ever. The entire liver, yeah. Days to what? Days to weeks. Yeah. How long? Yeah. Yeah, he said days to weeks. I say it's days to one or two weeks. But no one has told me thing. If someone Google it, how long can you live without a liver? Come on. Normative guy, normal guy, normal person. Okay. Hannah will tell us how long. Anyway, oh my God. Hannah, Hafizahallah. Google Maps says seven miles difference. You waste man. You waste man. I disagree. What? Shut up. Who asked you? Who asked you? Who asked you in the first place? When we gave you the chance, we gave you the chance. I told you it was 10 to 6. Yeah? Impossible. Shamila has said 10 miles. If you go through Rochdale, 48. Yeah. If you go through Staffordshire, well, from my house, yeah. it's 45. Wait. No, we're not going through Rochdale. We said to Rochdale, we're talking. He's, the question was to Rochdale, not through, not Bradford. Don't get things mixed up. Zulfiqara said days. So, so, I put the opinion forward to Zulfiqar, to who? Days, yeah, good. That's why I said to, to move to Zubair, and then when I said it, I was like, I don't even know if that's right or not. But I said, you can't be comparing between the liver and the kidney. So he was asked recently to give fatwa, and he didn't, but he said that, yeah, I think the liver will be okay to take out. I said, no, the liver will not be allowed to take out. But the kidney, yes. So we're just going, anyway, we were going back and forth on this point. So before this, I had arrived at a masjid, because I, in my heart, 
I wasn't happy with this 53 mile situation. I was like, that's the first time I've seen this distance so long to Bradford. Bradford's like around the corner. It says 53. So I'm going to just take the waswas out of my head. Yeah? And I'm going to pray in the masjid. So I pulled up in the masjid car park because I heard that Mufti Zubair is going to be delayed. So I said, forget him then. I'll pray and whatever. And I'm waiting there. So I pray four behind the imam and I've got no problem, isn't it? Then he calls, he goes, Mr. I'm finished off early uh, from hospital, so come down. So I go, khalas, then I'm going to pray with you. So obviously praying with him, then I prayed the, uh, 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 but I said, you lead. Yeah, he goes, you lead. And I said, no, 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 you know what? I'm not too sure about this whole two rakat beard. So I'll take waswas out by you doing four and thinking. Soon as then I did that, yeah, then I looked at the time, and the time had now gone on, you know, significantly. And remember, I wasn't in uh, traveling mode at all. But then I looked and I said, I've got to go to Costco in Thingamajig. And then by the time I finish there and then get off home, yeah, I'll probably be at Maghrib time. So I might now take the opportunity to pray Asr now here. And I hate combining, by the way. And so I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to combine. In the end, what happens? I got home, uh, a home home with plenty of time left for Maghrib and felt so bad. Now, I felt Shazad Salim. He wouldn't be feeling bad. <laughs> He'd be waving the, the flag and he's texting everybody and saying today is a great day. Today was a good day. I was like, I was like what's that two pack song? Today was a good day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He was like absolutely happy. He's going to go. By the way, he's still on the map trying to disprove me, by the way. He's still trying. <laughs> he's still not working, not working. But Nazif suddenly makes it work like magic. All right. Yes. I think someone asked us in the telegram a couple of days ago and you reacted and it was that person doesn't need to like you wouldn't have to repeat your asr in the asr. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because otherwise I should never have prayed asr in the first place. If I prayed asr over there, it can only be upon certainty that this is a valid position. And it was absolutely a valid position. Yani, uh, uh, I, I, what if I tell you that I would have felt comfortable legally speaking, even if it was Huddersfield and it was only 23 miles. It wasn't even 53 miles. I would have said that I don't go to Costco at this time every day of thinking I've done it like once ever. And this is that scenario like what I've said to ladies. I've said that ladies themselves, if they're in that scenario where they're found themselves shopping in an un, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, extraordinary time and extraordinary whatever, they can combine anyway without even being a traveler. So for me, I had two reasons. I was bona fide traveler according to Google 53 miles. And... Mufti Zubair didn't bat an eyelid and he's hardcore Hanafi. <laughs> Bro, he's hardcore Hanafi. In actual fact, I'm going to tell you something to close. Because you don't understand, and he is not just a normal Hanafi, hardcore Hanafi. He's a Mufti of the Hanafi school. I respect him so much. Okay, actually. He's excellent in fiqh. He stood up, he goes, yeah, I'm going to pray Asr with you as well. <clears throat> I said, what? <laughs> now, you've got to understand that <laughs> huh? He goes, yeah. He goes, what's the point of me and it, uh, uh, sitting around? And he pushed me forward. No, no, sorry. He stood up. He goes, well, right, well then I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go, I'm gonna pray asr. Yeah. I, I looked at my watch and I said like that, like that. You know, I go, you know, bro, I'm gonna pray asr. He goes, okay then. So when he said okay then, my head's now going, you know, trying to work out what the hell's happening here. I'm in the matrix, and how's he doing that? First of all, Hanifi Hardcore did have no combining anyway. Secondly, he's sitting right in his own front room, yeah? And he's combining Asr, whatever. 
But I thought, I'm not going to mess around my guy. So I said, okay, well, khalas, you can go forward and lead. It's his house, and that's what should happen. And he, no, no, he goes, no, no, you lead, you lead. I go, I go, well, what are you praying then? Yeah, and he, was, he goes, oh, I'm praying nafil. I'm just going to make intention for nafil. I go, all right, but I'm praying two. He goes, yeah, my intention is for two nafil. So you go, oh, you're not praying asr. He goes, well, I'm not praying asr, but you're praying asr, but I'm praying with you. I go, you Hanafis, I'm a pagal man, I'm telling you. <laughs> so yeah, so we pray together, that was it. All right. Barakallahu feekum. So listen, uh, the, the dates are confirmed for uh, the Zakat uh, Paradise Portfolio. That is happening on February the 24th and the 25th, okay? So you just go to almaghrib.org slash zakat. That's the only thing you need to know. The Fiqh of Death will be released in a couple of weeks. Don't go to links that you see all over the place, etc., etc. Maysa, okay, Maysa, yeah, we should be formal when people are being formal with us, 1 hour 34 minutes. Maysa, thank you very, very much. Jazakumullah khair, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaykum. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.